for this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Now let's read over in John's Gospel, chapter 12 as well. John's Gospel, chapter 12 and verse number 1. says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had, a had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying, hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. So in my personal reading, I've been going through Matthew's Gospel, and uh, I'm sure that there's hardly a believer here today but that you haven't been intrigued and have visited oftentimes the passage, the passages that um, we have just read about this meal that was made for the Lord Jesus in the house of uh, Simon in Bethany. And I think um, most of us can relate and identify with the different persons, the different persons that were there at this particular occasion. I guess my little title would be uh, Lessons from Persons in Simon's house. And of course, uh, the first one that would come to our attention is uh, the man Simon himself, whose word, whose name means hearing or heard, God hath heard. And he was a man, no doubt, that uh, had been healed of leprosy, and here is a man whose heart has been touched, and as a result of his heart being touched, as a result, no doubt, of a plea from his heart as a leper, he has been heard by God, and his home is opened, and he has the great privilege of being a host of this person, the Lord Jesus Christ. How delightful it must have been for him to have the Lord Jesus under his roof. Uh, what a, what a, I'm sure we can all relate to Simon today. Apart from salvation and before salvation, we were all spiritual and moral lepers. But hardly a person here this morning has been touched by salvation who didn't cry out for it. And we were heard. Amen. So we've lived, uh, proved by experience, the meaning of Simon's own name. And he has heard our plea. And he has healed us. And he has touched our hearts. And a heart that is filled with gratitude, even though it's, it's an, an exhortation to us in the epistles, in Romans chapter 12, in... Uh, relation to the elder, the practice of hospitality. Um, you might say that a, a heart that has been touched by God's grace is going to respond in practical ways. And hospitality is what this man is going to offer as a host, as a gracious host to an honored guest, the Lord Jesus, in his house. So that's a, a wonderful thing to have. Uh, it's, it's actually not simply to be among Christians in general, and to be especially espoused by those who are elders and in leadership, 
but it is also to, it, it seems like it's an expression of brotherly love. Hebrews 13, let brotherly love continue. And it immediately follows, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. And then it encourages us, thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I, I remember when uh, we kept a, a, a guest book and back when we were living in Canada, and I remember one time Peter Orsak, and he put his note in there on occasion we had him in the house, and he put that verse down, thereby some have entertained angels unaware. <laughs> then he put in brackets, uh, sorry, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> but we were still, we knew he wasn't an angel, but we were certainly happy to have him under our roof. It's a, a wonderful blessing to have people, God's people. It's a wonderful blessing to show hospitality to the stranger, to the unknown. As you know, the word hospitality is love or kindness to the stranger, to the unknown. So what a tool to use to bring about, and what a message it conveyed to the Lord Jesus himself. In this particular occasion, it's the, the last week before the cross. And the hostility is reaching its peak. And the environment and the whole ambience of everything is, is supercharged with great tension and great animosity towards the Lord Jesus. It will reach its culmination, as he knows, in his crucifixion at the cross. And what a delightful little oasis for the heart of the Savior, for him to have received this invitation and to be a guest here in this home. In this little group of perhaps 17 or more people, here he is, and he's got this honored privilege to be at the table. How much it must have spoke to his heart to be among friends, to be among followers, to be among those that were fond of him, and those that would treasure and value his presence in their gathering. On a practical note, it struck me, I wonder if he came to my house. I wonder if he came to your house. What would we do? Would we scurry around? Would we turn the music off? Would we change the channel? Would we drop what we're doing? Would we slide things under the covers? Would we, you know, what would we do? Many different things. If the Lord Jesus came to your house or came to my house today, you know, I, I guess that actually points out that sometimes we walk by sight more than by faith. Because if he literally in physical, visible form was in my house, whoa, kids, hey, don't, no. And honey, don't, don't. We'll just leave it right there, okay? It's put all the brakes on, on our best, we put our best foot forward. But we're blind to the fact that he actually he's already there. He's there all the time. He's ready to travel. But we walk by sight more than by faith. So we would nearly have a heart attack if he came in the door. But what I think is nice is here's a man, and he is so in sync with the Lord Jesus that he's very much at home, having the Lord Jesus in his home. Mm -hmm. And I thought that maybe that's the wrong way to look at it, right? that we would more perhaps need to ask ourselves the question, would he be comfortable with the Lord Jesus? How would he feel? Would he feel at ease? Or would he feel awkward? Would he feel comfortable as a guest in your home? See, it's, it's, we're so self-centered, right? We not only walk by sight, but we also reason from our first, our instinct. 
So how would I feel if he was in? No, no, it's how would he feel? And so what's nice is not only is Simon at ease with him in the house, in his home, but the Lord Jesus is also comfortable here. And he is at home. He's a, he is an honored guest, and he's a happy guest. He's a comfortable guest in the home. And I don't think that I need to tell you that I think that should be the norm, correct? So we have Simon here. Simon, and uh, he's related to the Lord of listening. We think of Martha here, and uh, <clears throat> Martha has, um, she's serving. She's telling us about the Lord of labor. Martha, her name means lady. Here's a handmaiden, and even though her name means lady, she doesn't find that it's unbecoming for her to, it's not going beneath her dignity to serve. The word for serving as a deacon. Here is, here is a woman that is serving lowly. And in contrast to, I know the famous story of, of before, when she was complaining that even that the Lord, that Mary had left her to serve alone, and that the Lord didn't care. But here there's no word of complaint. There's an adjustment that has taken place. There's advance that has occurred here. Here's maturity. Here's progress. And so we congratulate a woman, and she is serving, and she's in her sphere, and she's happy and content, and she's got the privilege of being able to labor for the best of masters. So Martha and her labor. I think of, um, of how that uh, we have Lazarus, and Lazarus, of course, means God is my helper. And here is a man, and if, uh, if uh, Simon has been uh, healed by Christ, and he's got Christ in his house as a guest, and um, he's given, Simon has given a welcome to Christ. And Martha is working for Christ. Lazarus is just content to be one of those that sat at the table with Christ. He treasures, he values. It's not time lost to have put everything on hold and to be brought to a complete, we call it a grinding halt. But he's put everything on hold and he's stopped and he's still and he's just at the table with Christ. And those are happy. Those are holy moments. Those are necessary moments. No believer here can afford to carry on non-stop in life. We need stops. We need moments when we pause. We need time to be with the Lord Jesus. Not only the welcome, not only to work energetically, but also to be with the Lord Jesus. What a delight. What a privilege. What a, what a pleasure. And I think that he would tell us that he's relating to the Lord of life. He's, he's had that resurrection, if you like, in his life. Here's a man in picture, at least, standing on redemption ground. And he's living in the good of this new life that he has received from Christ. And there is something very precious to him to be at the table with him. How are you getting along on that side of your life? How am I getting along on that side of my life? Do I purposely look for a time when I can have an uncluttered, an uninterrupted 
an undistracted time where I will not and I do not allow other situations, other circumstances, other distractions to intrude. I have learned the secret of successful, satisfied Christian living by having regular episodes in my life when I am at the table with him. And so, it's, uh, it's not only that, but I think of, of course, Mary. And you can see how she relates to the Lord of, of love. And you can see the love that comes from her heart. And if the others have given him a welcome, and if Martha is working for him, and if Lazarus is with Christ, then here is a woman and she is worshiping Christ. And to my mind, it's interesting that as far as we know, there's no words recorded from the first four people that we're talking about here. We don't see any word recorded from Simon, or from Martha, or from Lazarus, or from Mary. But so many lessons are speaking eloquent volumes just from what is happening in this whole dynamic of this whole situation here in the house. Mary, who has brought her alabaster box of ointment. Mary that has treasured up something that has cost her much. Mary that has had this plan. Mary that has, has, has been at the feet of Christ and heard his words. In her affliction, she has been prostrate at his feet. And here she's at his feet, and she has anointed his head in John's... In, uh, in, uh, Matthew's Gospel and his feet. I'm, you're allowing me, I hope, to link the two passages as one of the same story, one of the same incident. Not sure if everyone agrees on that, but um, so here she is, and she's got an appreciation for the complete person of Christ. And she has anointed him, and she has flooded the house with the fragrance of her worship. And she hasn't said a single word. What a, what a, what a sweet odor of worship and praise, not only filled that house and affected the heart of Christ, often been referred that even when the soldiers a few days later are nailing his feet to the cross, there would still be the fragrance of that perfume mm -hmm. of her devotion. And none of the disciples would leave the room that day unless they had got their sense uh, accustomed to the odor. But anyone meeting any of those people leaving that room that day, if they were close to them at all, would have caught a whiff. They would have caught a sense of the fragrance of a gathering that they had been at prior to that moment. So we should never, we should never underestimate the silence of believers. And I'm now applying it to the assembly around the table worshiping him. And the fragrance that can cling to us, mighty cling to us, as we move forward. But then there's the disciples, and they're to be learners, the Lord of teaching. And yet, I, I notice that they seem to wander. There seems to be weakness here. Weakness because Judas is the man whose name means praise, but instead of honoring the Lord, there's going to be dishonor. Instead of loyalty, there's going to be betrayal. And even here, he mars and disrupts this, this secret, special moment that is so delicate 
and it is so marked by finesse, and it is marked by such exquisiteness. And this man barges in with his repackaging and redirecting of where that might have gone. And, and looking at the whole thing, and there's a disparaging, there is a disminish, there's a dismissal of what this woman has been doing. And the other disciples in their weakness seem to follow a man like Judas of all things. And so it strikes us with the grim fact and possible and reality that even in the midst of such a sacred moment, of such a distinguished company, there can be such extremes as a man like Judas and believers so weak and wobbly as to actually capitulate and fall in with his complete erroneous assessment of what this woman has just done in honor of the Lord Jesus. Many, many lessons here. I just trust that, that we might uh, know something then of lessons from persons in this house seek to honor our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Having nothing incompatible, I was thinking, you know, that it's almost like, almost like a sixth sense that we could all use to be so impressed and impacted by the character of the God that we have come to know and serve, that that sixth sense kicks into place and helps us in our discretion, helps us in our decisions, helps us in our discernment, so that we have nothing incompatible with being hosts of this one who is our guest, who has actually turned it around on its ear made us his honored guests. And we sit where he has made for us and prepared for us a table, rich, repast, in the presence of our enemies, with the refreshing oil with which he has anointed our head, causing our cup to overflow with rejoicing because of the rich blessings we have in such a Savior. So may God help us and bless his word. Amen. Amen. Amen.